Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Been a lot of articles written recently about a new spider that could cover the East Coast, and it looks like it flies. And is it time to nuke it from space? Well, a lot of this sounded pretty sensational, so we wanted to separate fact from fiction about the Joro spider. So we caught up with Dr. Christopher Tipping, professor of biology at Delaware Valley University out in Doylestown. Give a listen. So to start, just kind of give me the scouting report on the Joro spider that we're starting to hear so much about. Okay. I first heard about this spider probably five years ago from friends in Georgia and parts of the Southeast. And they basically described it as something very similar to a species that already occurs there now called the golden silk spider. They look very similar. If you didn't know to, to look at the patterns on them, um, they're virtually identical. They have the same strategies. They make a big web in the fall. Um, they're, they're interesting spider where they're extremely dimorphic, where the females are very large and the males are small. Then often you'll see males around the edges of a, a female's web. And, you know, they're, they're hoping to, to mate, have an opportunity to mate. But the males are very small, maybe a centimeter at the most. But the, the females with their legs fully extended could be, you know, maybe uh, almost six centimeters or maybe uh, almost three inches, I would say. I've heard one of the things that's grabbed the headlines is the idea that they make these web parachutes to, to fly through the air. What are we, is that an exaggeration? What, how does this work? So one of the mechanisms for how spiders disperse, especially in the spring and primarily those that overwinter as eggs. So the eggs will hatch and they do an interesting behavior called ballooning where a young one will crawl up a surface and will then begin to produce a long, thin strand of silk. And when the wind blows, that can carry them many miles. And um, you'd be amazed at how far spiders can balloon. I'm familiar with some research where scientists are at 10,000 feet and they hang a, a something called an aerial plankton net out the window of their plane, and they can capture ballooning spiderlings, uh, little little tiny guys. If you ever saw that cartoon Charlotte's Web as a kid, I don't know if you remember that, but there's a scene I think when the when the young ones begin to to, to balloon away and, and they're leaving, you know, the, the pig. And I guess three of them stayed at the end. I don't remember it, but I remember seeing that balloon behavior um, in that cartoon. And some people remember that. And then that helps them understand how they uh, can disperse that way. So this is not something that is specific just to the Joro spider. This is something we see in a lot of different spiders. Yeah, absolutely. Many species do this. And some days in the spring, if you're walking around in the forest, you're going to see like lots of just like single strands of spider web all over the place. Those are perhaps ones that didn't make it too far or had recently blown into the area, but it's it's actually quite common. And once you know what to look for, you you can see them pretty often in the spring, just their little the line of silk that they extend out. 
you mentioned friends in Georgia, and right now that these are found, fa- you can find these in the Georgia southeast, southeastern United States. Um, how you said about five years ago? How long have we known them about to be there? And where are they native from? Where would we mostly find them in you know in normal situations? Yeah, I, uh, at first, I think their their normal distribution includes places like Japan and other parts of Southeast Asia that are. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if they head towards subtropical uh, regions. There, uh, Japan is primarily temperate; that's their native range. I think they are currently distributed in parts of uh, Georgia and the northeast section of it, where maybe Athens is. The university is over there. And then into South Carolina. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been uh, spotty findings of these spiders all, all throughout that region. I wouldn't be surprised if people were identifying the native species that we have that occurs all the way up to, I believe, uh, North Carolina, all the way down to uh, Central America. I wouldn't be surprised if people have been seeing those and thinking that maybe they those are the, the new spider. But I mean, we have our own version of that, that that's been here forever. Yeah. So this is another kind of the alarm is anytime people write these articles that, you know, this is here and it, it could play havoc with the, the ecosystem and stuff. This does not seem like this is a big deal on any level that this spider is here. For the most part, I'm going to say this. It's kind of sensationalism, maybe, that's going on. Um, I get it. People don't like spiders. It gives them the willies. I have lots of friends who, who just, if they know I have a spider in a jar, you know, they, they don't. <laughs> but uh, I hesitate to say that there will be no impact. Um, when I think about where these spiders occur and their life history, I think perhaps there potentially could be an impact on the native species there that we have here. Um, when you think about competition between organisms, your closest competition is the same species pretty much uh, if you consider it in terms of ecological thought, but I don't know. That's a great question. I, I don't, I don't really see them having a major impact. Um, what, I'd be curious to see if the parasites and predators that attack the ones that are already present here and they've evolved with these, this interaction. I'm curious to see how quickly some of those predators and parasites jump over to this new one, which is, which is not unusual actually. Another one of the things that caught my attention was uh, some of the proclamations that this spider could be all over the East Coast eventually. Uh, Let's get in our own little bubble. Is this something we're going to, is this a spider we're going to see in the Delaware Valley anytime soon, you think? Uh, I I would hazard a guess to say probably not in yours and mine lifetime. I don't think they spread very quickly. Uh, we definitely would move them, I think. Um, potentially, they could blow maybe north a little bit in the spring, but I don't see them like overwhelming and filling the forests and on everybody's you know back porch, you know all that kind of stuff. I, I really don't see that happening. Um, but again, you know, I, I always try to think never say never because sometimes you know life does things we don't really predict. Um, and this spider, it's not poisonous or anything, is it? Well, pretty much all spiders are venomous. They they make a venom. And they do have uh, chelicera with fangs. That's their mouth parts. And um, it, 
I haven't seen one, but if their mouth parts are similar to the species that lives here, they're in the same genus, actually. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they could bite you, but they're kind of shy. They don't want to bite. And, and the bite would probably be like um, pinpricks. And um, the venom probably would maybe cause a little stinging or swelling, maybe. You know, when you think about the venom of other insects, things like bees, they're designed to sting us. So they have venom that causes a big reaction and it's painful. Uh, a lot of spider bites are, are fairly innocuous, and uh, I, I don't I don't see a big uptick in emergency visits from the presence of the spider. I, I just don't. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Christopher Tipping of Delaware Valley University right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, talking with Dr. Christopher Tipping about the Joro spider. Uh, do we know how it uh, got into the, the area of Georgia? Is this something you know, global trade that it just attached itself to, to, to a plane or something like that? Is there any hypothesis? Yeah, I would not bet against it. Uh, probably arrived here as egg masses on some sort of product. I mean, there's a rich history of us bringing stuff from Asia now that live in the southeast of America um, and in and, and the northeast. I mean, we have those ladybird beetles. They're from Asia. They're in. People are calling me now because they're starting to become active when it's warm. And they're like, where'd all these ladybugs come from? They were always in your house overwintering. Stink bugs for sure. Uh, spotted lanternfly for sure. There's another critter that hasn't reached Pennsylvania yet. It's called the kudzu bug, and one of its favorite snacks is soybean. I think it has been found in uh, low numbers in Maryland, but it turns out maybe it can't live this far north. But it it came <clears throat> very good documentation of when it arrived in Atlanta and the airport there. And every uh, year, the, the ring of infestation around the counties of, the, of that airport. So we know where that guy came from for sure. This isn't the first. It's not going to be the last. I mean, when we think about how much we actually, the tremendous amount of material that we we trade and how much of that really gets inspected is, is kind of mind-boggling and how little of it gets inspected. And so it's inevitable that we're going to have these, these introductions. Um, it's just the nature of, of how we move in things around the earth. To that point, that was kind of my next question is, is this, this is going to be life on many different levels with species, not just spiders, but bugs, I would imagine plants, bacteria, stuff like that, that, you know, is native to one area, but eventually gets hold somewhere else. Uh, is this overall a, a good thing, a bad thing, or is it just a nature thing? And it's not necessarily good or bad, it's just kind of nature taking its course? Well, it depends on who you talk with. There's some folks that feel very strongly about native plants only in your yard, and, and, and I understand that. Then there's other folks who, who feel that, you know, just because we moved an animal or a plant from place to place doesn't mean just because it couldn't do so itself, you know, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? That's all debatable. Uh, I think when invasive organisms come to an area and they cause economic damage or bring disease or things like that. That's a whole nother perhaps uh, 
serious conversation. But when you're talking about something that, you know, might be a small weed that might occur in your garden every now and then, or a, something like this spider, really very little economic impact. I think people tend to maybe not be so concerned. I mean, honeybees are not native to North America. They're from Europe. Um, most of the earthworms that we have in this area are imported. They're exotic. Um, there's a, a serious problem with an earthworm that, that likes to feed on the leaves in the forest. And they don't have natural enemies and they reproduce like crazy. I think they're, I've heard them called Asian jumping earthworms. And they, they actually move like small snakes. If you, you know, encounter one out in the, um, you get it up on concrete or, or, or on asphalt, you'll see it moves just like a snake. And it, if you don't know better, you think, oh, that's a snake. But uh, they are wreaking serious damage in many of the forests in the Northeast. So they basically eat all the leaves that are on the ground. And when you think about the soil in a forest, it's very loose. And if the forest has some topography or some hills, when it rains, that soil washes away and the tree's roots are exposed and they start dying or falling over. So that, that's a serious problem in, in terms of um, managing forests. But, you know, I, I think these guys are, I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't lose sleep over, the, over their introduction. Are they creepy? Absolutely. <laughs> That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.